The Psychedologist. Spirit Traveler, my beloved twin and much admired role model, comes on the podcast today for an enlightening conversation about getting the lesson, giving thanks, and keeping it moving. Topics in this episode include Spirit growing up in Detroit, daydreaming, and cloud gazing, how she got her name, being sensitive and intuitive, finding support and mentorship to understand and develop her gifts, changing perspective about food and the energy and vibrations that come along with anything we consume or do, and being the vessel. Spirit also shares about saying thank you for those who are responsible for who we are, pausing and giving thanks, being present, and giving back to community. Some choice quotes I wrote down, though there are so many, are, each moment can be as good as you allow it to be. Remember to take the same medicine that you give others. And death is sad, though through understanding life's cycles, it is a blessing. At the end, we talk about singing and tap dancing, and Spirit Traveler expresses her views on how being technical can stifle us from being fully self-expressed. We can be mindful not to let the laws and rules restrict our full self-expression, our art. And then finally, there is some mention of the serenity prayer in this episode. I'll read it here in case you're not familiar. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Spirit Traveler, this is years in the making. It's so good to have you here. Yes, I am overjoyed, literally, especially that I am doing this with you on this day, on this Monday. I was born on a Monday on my birthday, uh, July 17th. So I am grateful. This is very magical for me with my twin twin. <laughs> this is so magical. There's nowhere I would rather be than here. And I wish I could give you a squeeze in person, but next time. Yes, same year. <laughs> oh, mm. well, let's mm. let's dive right in with some curious about your relationship to consciousness as a child. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned it because... Uh, a lot of times I think back just the way my mind works when I have memories of my younger self. Uh, I can remember oftentimes either daydreaming a lot, um, meditating, staring at the sky. It was all the sky was always uh, something that intrigued me always and uh, nature in general. But when you first asked me, my first memory of consciousness comes, I think I had to be about three or four. And we, live in, we lived in Detroit. I've lived in Detroit most of my life until I went off to college and then started exploring and traveling after that. But I was three and we stayed in what they called then the Jeffries Projects. And we stayed in a 14-story building. And inside of that whole complex, they had three stories, six stories, 14 stories. And then 
across the uh, expressway that were row houses. And I say all of that because all of that was very vivid for me at an early age where we lived and how far up we were from the ground and what I could see at the level that I was at. But I always found myself looking out this window as an observer, you know, and I didn't realize or connect the dots to all of it until I started learning about human design. And I am an observer. And so now it's like, okay, I get it now. But being aware that early, and then my mom was very um, conscious of making us aware of different things. It's like she wanted to introduce us to everything in the world, literally. So I believe that that helped a lot with me being conscious, mindful, tuned in, tapped in, not really understanding it to its fullest, but I knew that I had something different about me. And although I was young and not fully aware, I was very conscious of energies and source and um, frequency and vibration even. Not really knowing, but it all lines up now that I'm learning more about myself. It's like, okay, that's why this was that way and that was this way. So I would say about three or four. I know it's young, but my dad told me I had a memory like an elephant. So <laughs> a memory like an elephant, eyes like a hawk. And I forget what he said about my abilities to uh, pick up scent. Wow. Wow. I can imagine it must have been hard to be sensitive to frequencies and energy and all that when it's not necessarily a sensitivity that the entire surrounding world shares. Like, did you have any support around those gifts? Oh, that that has been a, a challenge most of my life because I've always been very, very, very sensitive to all energies. And I mean, all of them. So. um I was very sensitive and emotional. Mainly, I was a crier. I cried for everything, everything. Happy, sad. And like, what are you crying for now? Like, you know, I would cry on movies. I'd cry on commercials. I, you know, if I see somebody walking up the street and it, they don't look like they're in pain, but I can see that they're in pain. I can feel it. So it's been that way for me ever since I was younger. Uh, the support that I had around it Initially coming up, I was just always teased a lot because I was so sensitive. And then now in my adult age, my children and my siblings, they still tease me, but they're like, here she go. And the only thing they will say is she's always on point. You know, she's, she's usually on point with every, whatever she pick up, whatever she shares, don't take it lightly. But it's still that way. Um, I am really just starting not so much to turn it off because it's just on. It's just always on. But the only way that I can uh, create a boundary around it is usually when I'm by myself and or if I go by the water or sit by a tree, I can get a little bit more grounded where the, the, the energy is not so impactful where it feels like it's me and it's not. Because a lot of times I have emotional uh, sometimes upsets 
And sometimes I'm on a real high and it's like, okay, so did I do that? Or is that coming from somebody else? Or who am I picking up? You know, and I'm usually, that's part of, that's really literally part of my name. Unbeknownst to when I was given the name Spirit, um, that's part of, you know, how I get or stay connected is because I do spirit travel, like literally. So support was there, but not in the sense of, let me show you how to use it. You know, not, let me show you how to direct it. Let me show you how to protect yourself. That didn't come until later, like in my teens. Mm. Would you like to share about that? Um, well, I have, I had a mentor. She's still physically with us. Her name is Rosemary Messenger. And uh, it was my first job at 13. And I worked at Operation Get Down. And she was into developing the consciousness of young people. And I took a class with her and it was a very, which I really love because I love people that take learning to another level where it's just not sitting in a classroom and you're looking up at them and them looking at you, sharing what they know. Never really liked that classroom style, but it's something that I became accustomed to coming up in the Catholic church and coming to Catholic school. But the circle seating and or approaching teaching from a whole nother level, not what you think. So during that summer, she did a thing on life and death. And so when she took us to Belle Isle to the river and under the weeping willow trees, she showed us the significance and the beauty of life. And then she took us to uh, University of Michigan. And she took us in one of the labs where they study cadavers. And we actually looked at bodies that were being uh, examined by students in that particular uh, class setting. So most of her uh, field trips were the class itself. And during that time is when I really started getting tapped, tapped into what is life and what is death to the degree that I could understand it then. And then she took us on other journeys to explore uh, our, what is it, intuition. Mm. She would do things under a tree and she would be on the other side of the lake and would think of something and tell me to write down what I think she's thinking, those kinds of things, which was totally off of this was like in 1973 or four or something like that. So it's totally different from a normal classroom setting. She was also responsible for uh, changing my perspective about food. And so being under her tutelage, that's when I decided not to eat pork anymore. However, that was like Three years later, I think I was 16 then. So as I went into uh, my 17th year, I didn't eat pork. And it wasn't because she was Muslim. It was just like, this is a filthy animal. We don't need to be eating it. And this is what it does to your body. And this is what it does to your high blood pressure. This is what... And so I was like, okay, bet. I won't be doing that again. You know, and I trusted her word. <sighs> so she, she, she kept me attuned on different levels. 
that connected the dots to the things that my mom was sharing with me that she didn't always explain. She just did them. And I was just always there observing and then striving to uh, make it a part of what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. So that's, um, that's something I enjoyed as well. Wow. Oh, that, that is so fascinating. A bit of a tangent with the pork thing, but I, I know that many different religions and, and spiritualities have kind of like, yeah, uh, a sense like don't eat pork. And I was speaking with a friend a few months ago about why in like certain ayahuasca traditions, they also don't want you to eat pork. And what this person had said was like, the nervous system of the pig is so similar to that of humans mm. and that, you know, they're social, they're intelligent, and it maybe it's even something along those lines of like not wanting to eat our kin. I'm, I'm just really curious how different people come up with this because it's like obviously a lot of people feel that way and I don't eat pork. Um, right. But yeah, it's mainly the, the, the scavenger of the land and the, um, shellfish are considered the scavengers of the sea and then you have birds that are scavengers you know mm. even though they fly from on high down to get some of them don't though what <laughs> they want to eat they become the scavengers of uh the clearing the land they serve their purpose it's just uh the very makeup the character of an animal you know anything and i learned that with doing snake venom you can be, it becomes a part of you. It becomes a part of your behavior because they, they are distinct characteristics and energy and vibration that comes along with anything that you do. Mm. So, uh, my mom was like, okay, no pork, huh? <laughs> she said, eat pork all this time. You good. You good. I said, well, I think I don't want to eat it anymore. And she didn't give me a hard time. But she was always uh, open to uh, including different things in our diet as well. So it, it was hard for me. And I was kind of like the one in the family that kind of led everybody else to a certain space that was just maybe a step up or two better than where we were. So I do appreciate that about my family. It's like, if she doing it, it must be good because she'll be doing nothing that ain't good. I, I, I like thank you for thanks for that, but uh, just on this part, stay focused, stay focused. Just on the diet part, I have my moments. So you've mm. been you've been influencing the people around you to be more balanced and aligned and better for a long time. Yes, uh, when I reflect on it, I have you know, ever since I was younger, they would go say, "Go see what she say about it." I didn't know what that meant. They just went to come and see what I had to say about it. And whatever came through, came through. Half time, I don't even remember a lot of things that come through because I'm just a vessel. And most times, I believe it's meant for me not to remember for many reasons, you know, could be the information specifically for them and them only. Could be that... um Technically, it ain't none of my business, but I'm the vessel to deliver the message. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of it is if, you know, I believe that there's some aspects of us that if we're not balanced, that we can become overwhelmed with what we have and can go either way. We can become arrogant. Uh, what is it? Ignor ignorantly arrogant or arrogantly 
ignorant in our behavior sometimes. And that's something that I would like to be mindful of. I wouldn't like to be doing something that I just really didn't know. But that's part of living as well. You can't know everything before you engage in it. But sometimes we try to control those things. Mm. Yes, I relate to that. (laughs) Yes. What is your birthday, Leah? May 29th. Oh, bye. Yeah, Gemini. Yes, we were just talking about Gemini's. And I was telling my bae that... um, most of my closest friends when I was, yet my girlfriends when I was younger were Gemini's. Yeah. Interesting. I'm glad you found another yes. one. I know. I'm so excited. I don't even know if I ever knew that your, your birthday was May 29th. I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. If it did, it didn't stick out. Mm-hmm. I just remembered your face, your smile, and how we connect energy-wise. And I know that we've been in each other's lives in other lifetimes. I do know that. Oh, I'm I'm just grateful I get another life with you. Yes, how about <laughs> that? Together. Yes. Oh. I love it. So is there anything that is coming through for you in this moment in time? I, you know, I don't I don't know who's listening to this or who will be listening, um, tuning into to this sharing, this conversation, but uh, I'm I'm wondering if there's, I don't know, to this moment for, I think about the planet, I think about humans and, um, yeah. you know, the future generations. So just wondering if there's, if you have any insight to share on, on this moment. Yes. Uh, well, because, you know, when, for me, when my birthday comes up, it's a big thing. It's a big thing, not just because it's my birthday, but it's a big thing to say thank you to say thank you to anyone that was responsible for me being who I am. Um, This is the first year that I've uh, had a birthday or celebrated a birthday where I did not have either one of my parents. My, My dad passed in 2019, December 26th, and my mom just made her transition May 10th of this year. So this is the first time that I have not uh, been able to physically call them and say thank you for this day, you know. It's a, it's a little emotional, but at the same time, I'm grateful because now I'm really back with some serious power on the other side that makes me feel, you know, not sad, but just like, okay, we're about to do this. Because I know my father was a Gemini, my mom's Li- Libra, and they were both 11-11 energies. And, um, I just know that, you know, I got some serious backing that it's nothing that I can't do that I was trying to do before that my wish or my blessing won't be granted. So I'm grateful for that. You know, it's still a little difficult, more difficult for my mom's passing than my dad's. But um, I'm grateful for the entire process. And in saying that, as it relates to me turning 62, I usually start at the beginning of the year and I might plan the whole year out in terms of what I want to do up to that day. And usually I'll do a seven or five or three day fast, which I did not do this year. And usually I will uh, just kind of reflect on where I've been and where I'd like to be and where I'd like to go. 
And what I'm gathering now is just being present. I think maybe in the last five years, I've really focused on just being present and really striving to stay out of the past and out of the future and just enjoying the now moments because so many people have made their transition in these last four to five years significant to me that um, I think it was 2014 where I was like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to start giving back. I think it was uh, my 49th birthday. I said uh, for every birthday each year, I think I did it from 49 to 53. I started giving back and the giving back looked like having a whole program or doing something that was my personal gift that I would offer to the community. Uh, my first year, I, I danced and I sang and I read poetry and wore maybe something that I designed. You know, all those gifts that many people don't get a chance to experience of mine, but have seen it at some point, but didn't know that it was me or that I did that or, oh, I didn't know you sang. Oh, I didn't know you were a dancer. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't even know you saw. You saw. You know, I'm usually known for the mother with children. <laughs> That's the mom with children and or I'm somebody's, one of my children's, That's the her, their mom. That's her mom. So in, in reflecting on 62, it just caused me to be more present and not be so um, anticipating of what the next moment is going to be, but really being present in this moment, like listening to the fan and hearing the movement of uh, my bay and listening to your voice and listening inside of the silence while you're listening to my voice mm -hmm. and how important and, and, and meaningful that is to me in the moment that I'm in. And if there's anything for me to even suggest or invite a person to choose to do at any given moment that they hear this, is pause, just pause and be aware of everything around you and be grateful in that moment because we can't call the next one, nor can we retrieve the one that just passed. But each moment can be as good as you allow it to be no matter what's happening, no matter what's happening. And last weekend showed me that like in full form, like, okay, I'm 62. I'm not able to move like I used to, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be in this position for long. But while it's here, I was examining it. You know, uh, I've never had sciatica. I've heard people say that that's what they have and this is what happens. And that's, what occurs when it does happen, but I've had, I've given birth several times over and that sciatica was more intense than any of my labors, any one of them. So I really had to remember to take the very medicine that I give others. And one is breathe through it, <laughs> marinate on that. You know, just let it just sit in it for a minute. Sometimes we want to move so quickly to, to respond and give an answer or to react that even in nature, 
when there's something you're not sure of, the creature pauses. Even if it's for a fleeting moment. And oftentimes we don't. Be it switching from one relationship to another, be it a death in the family or a friend or in a community, or just pausing before you eat your food, you know, before you eat or before you drink. Just taking a pause. And in that pause, remembering to say thank you, whether we want to deem it good or bad, because the good or bad of it, that's someone's opinion. Because nobody really knows what's good and what's bad. Because the thing that is bad for one somebody is good for somebody else. And the thing that's good for somebody is bad for someone else. And so we can't really call it. I mean, there have been books to say, don't do this and don't do that and do this and do that. But there have been others that have did everything opposite. And they're still living and living to tell about it. And then there are some that have decided to go the way of the monk or the nun or the Buddhist and have reaped great benefit from it. And then there are others that have tried other ways to live their lives. And all it is is the divine giving us a moment in time for me, a moment in time to experience what's actually happening in that moment. And what we choose to do with the experience is how we live in the next moment. Because a lot of times we might linger. We linger, we hang on. Sometimes we hang on as it's a badge of, as if it's a badge of honor that if we let this go, then what? If we don't think about it, then what? Then what am I going to think about? I mean, I'm right here because this is what somebody did to me. No, not really. This is where you want to be because of what somebody did to you and how you even reframed this can determine how you're going to move in your next, whatever that next thing is, whatever that next thing is. That's just my perspective. Pausing and giving thanks. Mm. And I find when I do it, it always allowed me to have an overflowing cup versus a cup where I'm trying to hold on so tight where I don't want to offer anything. Those moments don't even feel good to me. Like, why are you holding on to that anyway? (laughs) And I got stuff. (laughs) I got stuff internally and externally. But like, no, it's okay if that goes, it's okay. It's okay if you lost that favorite stone that somebody gave you 20 years ago. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Let it go. Whoever found it needed it more than I did. And I must have grown out of the need for it. And that's the way I have to look at a lot of things, especially when I lose them or if they're no longer around. It's part of the growing process. Right, right. And I'm, I'm aware of how, a, say, yeah, losing something precious, for example, can be, can bring up grief. And it's like to be okay with that grief as well. Like you don't have to, rush myself through the the process of missing a person or an item, but also knowing that this feeling is temporary just as it was the other thing that yes. is no longer here. Yeah. Yes. And the only way it perpetuates is when we focus on that, you know? And um, 
although my mom and I were, we were close, but we weren't physically close. Um, we could communicate with each other without having to be present with each other. And by the time we would spend time with each other, um, we would already be answering the questions in person that we were communicating about in, in the uh, spirit realm or in the etheric realm. So for my mom not to physically be here, it only um, saddens me because I can't just go and see her. <laughs> However, I will always be grateful for memories and being able to refer back, especially to those that, you know, brought you joy or uh, created a, a, a moment of transition that was, uh, that shifted you from one perspective to another. Wow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You know, grateful for that. Grateful for 62. Grateful for the 17th of the seventh months. You know, I think it's the 31st week of the year. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I'm just grateful. Very grateful. Grateful to be even having this conversation and station and sharing my words to wherever they land. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so grateful for the connection we're sharing today and particularly thinking about this first birthday while your mom is an ancestor now and mm -hmm. relationship that is significant. And um, yeah, wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed to learn about the connection, like, right, the different spirits of connection or um, forms of connection we can have with people in life, right? Or like, you know, one day you and I will pass on and then how will we be connected right. to who's in the other yes. realm or who's on earth in that realm now? Yes, we'll be flying high. Flying high. Oh, you were over here? Yeah, I've been here about two years now. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, and although, you know, uh, what people consider death can be a sad thing, um, it is sad. But at the same time, because I'm understanding ING life's cycles, um, it's a blessing, you know, it's a blessing. You know, we, we all have our time. We all have our time. Sometimes we get caught in certain vortexes or spheres or portals or we don't want to come out of and try something new and different or we're comfortable where we are. And um, that's just how our life is going to go. You know, it, it's going to go in whichever direction you want to uh, aim it in, settle in. And at some point, uh, we should be grateful for that even, you know, because a lot of times we want to blame people for the places that we're in. And it's not so much that. It's not so much that. I don't know how different my life would have been had I had another mother or another father or different siblings or born in another race or another culture. I don't know. I mean, to a degree I do when I understand my past lives because I've been there and done that. But in this life, I don't know what it would have looked like, but I'm grateful for every experience that I've had. And it has brought me to this point. And I know it's significant. I did not 
uh, understand it or even accept it at uh, points prior to today, even the significance that I've had in people's lives. And I'm just seeing things posted on Facebook from people that were thanking me from years ago that some of those things I don't even remember. But I didn't know that I was impacting them in a light, in a part of their life that they needed to have me show up. So, you know, I'm grateful just to know that, you know, just to step in a room and shift the atmosphere, to, to speak a word and, and, and open up something that was never open with someone before. And now they see differently and now they feel differently and now they even listen differently. So I'm grateful for the many gifts that I've been given uh, to experience in this lifetime. And I'm, I'm praying that I can um, really exercise some of the other gifts that I have not put as much energy towards, you know, before my time is shifting to another reality. I'd like to be able to do that. I really want to be able to uh, record at least one CD of my vocals. (laughs) Now I'm going to be waiting for that. Yes, I want to record at least one. The vocals and then it's something else I want to do with color, light, and sound. So um, in in nature, in nature. So at some point, I'm going to work on that. I don't know how soon I can make it happen, but definitely want to be near the ocean when that happens. Cool. But studio recording, I, I think I might be able to make that happen in the next, this next cycle, this from this point to before my next birthday. And that's my plan. I love that you're laying down some intentions or setting some, yeah, intention for this coming year for yourself. So maybe next year I'll hit you back up and we'll have some um, some, some recordings of your vocals. Tell me more about that. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. And I'm going to mark the calendar because I got to okay. hold myself to it. I got to hold myself to it. Yes. Hmm. So what do you, what are, what is it like? What do you do? Uh, in terms of vocals? Yeah. Oh, I am a, um, some have called it contralto or alto. I sing in a really low kind of for, for a female, a low voice resonant, resonance. Um, I like gospel. I've sang that. I used to sing in a gospel choir in um, college. Um, I sang blues, jazz, R&B. Of course, I have my favorites. Um, as much as uh, as much as my my children and friends talk about, they don't really talk about. Me, but one of my favorite songs to sing, which I learned early on was uh, The Morning Heartache by Billie Holiday. Oh, so good. And, <laughs> and I learned to sing it the way um, Diana Ross sang it in Lady Sings the Blues because it has such an impact on me. I think I was 11 when the movie came out and I just fell in love with Billie Holiday altogether. Then I found out later that she made her transition on July 17th. I can't remember the year, but yeah. Well, I'm thinking maybe that's why 
you know, she was in my spirit. I'm not sure, but can't remember the year, but I do remember that it was July 17th. Wow. And uh, that's a few things. I have a few standards. And then this this other thing that I've done, which is a combination of, and I haven't, I don't think I've recorded it yet, just in general recording. But I uh, have taken like the word ashe, namaste, and um, Allahu Akbar. And I've taken some of those terms along with the opening prayer, Al-Fatiha, along with my favorite um, 23rd Psalms, the um, uh, Lord's Prayer. Um, those are my favorites. So I've taken it and created a melody and I've used it in a song-like form <laughs> up against this instrumental piece that I got from a, a, a young sister who's an harpist, a harpist that I found playing harp one day in Cobo Hall during one of our conventions. And uh, the sister friend of mine, uh, who's bigger than a sister friend of mine. Her name is Tynetta Muhammad. She was performing at the Charles H. Wright Museum and she was looking for a harpist. And I have called around the city. I could not find one that would be willing to come and support her in her presentation. And so I'm walking through Cobo Hall's lobby and here she is playing a harp. I was like, that sounds like Laurie harp. And I went over and I saw that she was playing. I asked her mom if she could please go and assist Mother Tynetta in her presentation for that weekend. And her mom rushed her over. They had the whole orchestra there, and she completed it with her heart. She did work with her after that even. And um, I took some of her music. I think it was called um, My Father. And she played heart with it, but it had a nice little rhythm to it. I know it's, I'm just saying, I don't know how it goes, but I use that piece to create all of what I just mentioned, the, the ashe, the namaste, Lord's prayer, uh, the call to prayer and singing, singing it in Arabic and in English. Um, I haven't done it in a, in a couple of years, but I would like to get that recorded just, just because. It sounds absolutely divine. But I'd love to sing. I just don't, I've never thought to make it the way it means to take care of myself. It's just never been that. It's just been something that I like to do when I like to do it. Mm. Yeah. I always say, uh, but people say, do you sing? And I sing just for pleasure, you know, not <laughs> for, <laughs> just, just for joy. Yeah. I have to remember that. I have to remember that just for pleasure. Like, okay, pleasure me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. I've always wanted to do a dance recital as well. Uh, dance was like my first love. Ballet, classical. Only thing I really didn't know how to do well was um, tap dance and uh African dance a little bit in my mind, in my mind, I can, <laughs> you know, sometimes I get so technical about, you know, 
do I do this movement because it's, it means this, or do I not do this because of that? Or, you know, different cultures have different movements as to why they do what they do. But as I've um, learned and still learning to just be fully self-expressed, then if it, if it comes and it's meant to come when it comes in that movement at that time, same with, same with singing. I don't get so technical where it's like, oh, no, you're not supposed to put music behind, you know, the words of the Holy Quran or, oh, no, you're not supposed to move that way because this is what that means in this culture and that's what that means in this culture. I, can't, I, I spent so much of my life being so technical about things like that that I stifled myself from being fully self-expressed. So now when it comes, it, come, it comes because that's what's supposed to happen when it happens. And I, I can't put a lid on it or, or try and confine it. Because I've created enough of my own self-imposed prisons. And I don't need any more when it comes to my level of creativity, you know. And I think if more people did not allow the laws and the rules of what it says this is supposed to be when it comes to full self-expression and art, if it's art, it's art. There's, mm -hmm. there's no way you can say, well, this is conservative art. And over here, you know, they put labels on it, but art is a full self-expression of whomever that person is expressing it. And it may not look like a Van Gogh, but it may have some tendencies. Now, I may not sound like Aretha Franklin, but you can tell I got some soul. <laughs> <laughs> I may not dance like Judith Jamison, but you better know I watched her to the teeth. <laughs> So, yeah, I have my, my way to do it. And it may not look like, you know, what most people might be used to, but this is me. It's, it's, it's what's coming through at this time. Mm -hmm. You are such a gift, spirit. Seriously. Hey, thank you. So are you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, dance was my first instrument, really, like my first way of um, creating um, was through the instrument of my body in in dance, and I did do tap. Actually, tap was my favorite one. Okay, then that's so I'll have to weird. teach you. Yes, <laughs> yes, you won't be able to tell me nothing once I get them shoes on. Because <laughs> my sister and I swore we could tap when we had on our new Easter shoes on my mother's hardwood floor that she just waxed. <laughs> oh, 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 careful. <laughs> Uh, but no, dress shoes are the best tap shoes. So I still, yes, I tap are. in my dress shoes now. Oh, I love it. So that's a, that's a, that's one thing we're definitely going to get together for. Because I would love to tap dance. I've always admired those, um, uh, those who could do it. And I had a chance to see Savion up close oh. uh, years ago. And he wore that floor out. And I was like, yes. And. His locks were just bouncing and he was moving to the beat and doing some different stuff. I was like, oh, if I could in my wildest dream. He is an icon for sure. Um, yes. I saw him perform once and yeah, it's just, he just vibrates, you know, he's just faster than the speed of light, uh, the speed of yes. sound and light. Yes, he is beautiful too. Yeah. Beautiful. Now it's, I love when I meet people that, are considered um, famous or idols or icons. And 
and you get to know them and they really are just normal people. You know, it's us that put people on pedestals and in places where if they do one something that's contrary to whatever we've placed on them, that we become unworthy to be recognized in a, in a bright light. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but it's part of the process of life and how people, human beings, uh, manage what we w- might deem good or bad, once again, mm-hmm. uh, is how we place titles and things on people. And then when they don't live up to what we placed on them now, they're no longer what? Famous? They're no longer loved? They're no longer liked? I did different things in my life that has caused people to see me differently. But one thing that I would like, you know, as part of my legacy is to go up in history as someone that was loving and lovable and um, not in any category where, oh, she was good until she did X, Y, and Z. You know, she was all right until she started doing, you know, this over here. Oh, but once she got over there, she really just started turning into a whole nother person and it just took her there. You know, people see you in in different levels and different light and they come to conclusions. To me, you let the only conclusion be that I'm loving and lovable. And uh, whatever else you get from it, give thanks because... That's basically uh, the sum total of my life. It's love. It really is love. You know, it, it's not something that turns on and turns off. You're either emanating it or you're not. It's a lot of work to try and turn it off, especially if you're in, a, in the presence of somebody and it's like, oh, you know, so-and-so did such and such. Thanks for that also. If I go up and hug them, they're like, oh, she's a traitor now. <laughs> Like, no, this is just me. Now, however, you had the experience with that person was your experience. That's not my experience with them. And I'm not going to tell you if it was something that was not of a good light, what that is, so that you can now shape and form that. Even if mine wasn't the greatest, I'm not going to tell you that. You have your experience with that person because we all vibe differently with different energies and frequencies. So we can't call it, you know, we can't call it. We just can't. All we can do is call it like it happens for us. Right. My, and I, my experience okay. is my best teacher. My apologies. And no, I agree. And I, I think that other people can be a mirror so often. Um, it's just a mirror. Yes, it is. It is. And usually when those kinds, that's, that has been a part of uh, my awakening as well is when certain people show up and they show me what I look like, it could have been past or, or present. And I have to do some adjusting. You know, a lot of people don't like mirrors, you know, and, uh, and then when we get a physical form of a mirror that is responding in the way that you are and they still can't see it, it becomes a challenge. And I want to be able to see what I need to adjust in the mirror, if anything at all. I may not need to adjust anything. The other person may need to adjust. You know, and it might just be meant for us to just see each other as we see each other, period. Right. Right. Yes. Get the lesson and keep it moving. Give thanks. Really? Really. 
And as easy as it sounds, that is the story of my life. You know, when I'm in it and I'm grieving or when I'm in it and I'm in pain and when I'm in it and it doesn't feel good, when I'm in it and my heart is broken, you know, give thanks and keep it moving. You know, I'm in it. And then once I get past the part where it appears to be so unbearable, I just let it pass through and then give thanks. And I have no regrets. None. 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 Nine. <laughs> mm, you are so light. And well, thank you. It's a reflection of you, my dear. <laughs> Touche. Mm. Well, it, it feels like this last part was quite the consciousness hack. Get the lesson, give thanks, and keep keep it moving. Um, yes, truly. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to share as a parting word of you know anything? I don't know, just anything at all, really. Yeah, um, because there's so much happening on the planet, in the world, if you want to call it that, uh, even in the celestials, I always remember the serenity prayer that is stated in, um, in AA. And there, there are going to be things that you're not going to be able to change to change so accept it you know there are going to be things that you can so get busy and just staying in gratitude that serenity prayer has always i always get it mixed up like a little dyslexia no <laughs> i do know that it stands true you know yeah and um for anyone that doesn't know what the serenity prayer is, because I'm not going to quote it because I don't want to dyslexia it up. Uh, you can pull it up and it'll always come. And it's a longer part. It's a longer, longer extended part to it that I never read until about a month or so ago. Um, but being able to, to stay present, give thanks for, for what you have, give thanks for being able to enjoy what you have, and if you're not enjoying it, then ask yourself why and what can you give thanks about today and why give thanks anyway? Why not? My question is, why not? You know, right. I was I was thanking myself for my birthday suit this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it has served me well for 62 years. It has served me well. Oh. So I'm grateful, just grateful. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in um, things that are not, you know, things that don't even exist. They only exist in our head and it's what the story we've told ourselves and all we have to do like we do with anything else with the remote or our cell phone is swipe to the left, swipe to the right, change the channel, delete, replay, erase. You know how you do uh, What do you call it? What do you call it where you have to uh, edit you can do all of that to your life. You can edit your life if you want to. It doesn't have to look like or sound like anything that you're saying right now. And it doesn't have to be a lie. Just live in your truth, whatever your truth is. If truth is that every morning you wake up and say thank you, even if nobody's around to hear it, they'll get it. It will be gotten, even as you just get it. Mm. Yeah. You know? 
And the same for forgiveness. And with all of that, you know, just stay present. It's so much going on. We can get caught up into, we can turn on the, the news or open up our phones to any of the worst case scenarios. And even if we're in a worst case scenario and it hasn't made the news yet, <laughs> there's still something that we can do about it. You know, I learned a lot from inmates. You know, they, 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 they survive because they, they, they are locked into this portal of time where they've, they've decided, okay, either I'm going to live this out and be okay, or I'm going to live this out and not be okay. And each day that they awaken, they choose how they want to live their lives. Just because they're in prison don't mean they don't have to be happy. I don't know. That's right. Yeah, my friend spent a lot of time locked up. And there's a book called We're All Doing Time, which is like for people who locked up. Yeah, it's a really great book. That sounds good. Because I know I've been in prison many days and I've never been inside of a jail cell in my life. But I created prisons around myself, around my thinking, around what I do and don't do and won't say. And it was self-imposed. And I, I don't like those yeah. because nobody put me there other than my own doing. Look at what your own hands have wrought. So I'm going to create, you know, a space of openness and have been creating a space of openness. And if I choose to be secluded, that's different. If I choose to be isolated, that's different. But no more self-imposed prisons. It doesn't allow me to be free to be me. You know? We need you. Yes, we need you too. So thank you. You know, it is my prayer that my words land gently. Uh, that they land in a space where it's uh, has the greatest impact for the good of the whole. You know, you just never know. I, I, I never thought I had a voice until I really started speaking what I believe to be is true for me. Mm-hmm. Because I was always trying to conform to this or that and believing that was law. And that the only true law that I know are the laws of nature. The sun will rise in the east, although it does feel like it's been flipped. And the morning sun looks like the sunset, and the sunset looks like the morning. <laughs> We're still looking in the east to find the sunrise, you know. Clouds are overhead. We start walking on clouds, and somebody let me know because I might want to try it. <laughs> well, I hope that today on your birthday that you can find a moment to gaze up at the clouds and connect to your younger self and your future self and all of yes. out in the world that love you so much. Yes. Well, I thank you. I thank you for uh, granting me the opportunity to be able to share words on this day, which is going to be quite memorable because, of course, Mike, remember my 62nd birthday. I get a <laughs> And you're like, oh, yeah, we remember that. And now you're 92. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you really did give us a gift today on your birthday. So thank you for that. And just every, every good wish for health and joy and pleasure and expression in this year to come for you. Thank you so much. And the same for you. I look forward to spending time with you 
as the year progresses and um, learning how to tap dance and maybe we can do, do an ensemble or something. I would love to do something like that. Oh my God. Get ready, world. <laughs> yes, I am so serious. Those are the things I want to do. I want to be able to do those things and, you know, and enjoy it and be able to look back at it and laugh at it and say, yeah, I was 62, thought I was doing something. <laughs> I do feel like I'm in my thirties, although I still got a little uh, uh, with the sciatica. But um, just in general, my energy, um, the vibrancy of light feels uh, useful for me. Period. It's always been that way, you know. I think I'm gonna always be a grown adult child <laughs> with a playful spirit. And an optimistic outlook on life and love and freedom and joy. That's, that's what you, if you come in for something different, you might not want to come. If, even though I like rainy days, rainy days are nice. But if you want to just rain and thunderstorm all on the parade, <laughs> that's right too. But trust and believe if you come in my, in my sphere, in my atmosphere, and your, um, your frequency is low, it will be risen. I do know that, you know, that's one of those things that happens. Period. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Psychologist is Consciousness Positive Radio. Find us everywhere podcasts are hosted. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at thepsychologist.com. Thank you.